The following is presented by Lanier Technical College, Concept One Pulley Systems, and Year One Classic Muscle Car Restoration Parts. Hit it! Hang on, you're now part of the fastest podcast on the planet, Bud's Garage Overdrive. Produced in the studios of Jacobs Media, located in beautiful downtown Gainesville, Georgia. On today's show, Adventures with Bud, Tim, and DJ Bill. Kyle Petty stops in to preview the 2024 NASCAR season, and Atlanta Motor Speedway's VP Brandon Hutchinson joins us. Informative automotive buffoonery with Bud and Tim right now. Let's kick it in overdrive. Welcome in, folks. This is Bud Hughes, resident card at Timothy Pascal, a pollster to the stars. Tim, how you doing? This I'm week? good, Bud. How are you this today? Week, whatever it is. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you doing okay today? Yeah, awesome. All right, very good. Interesting week. How's your How's your eye doing? Tim had a little surgery here on his eye. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Good. Just a little blip. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. You know, at my age, the check Kinda engine looks like lights Jody come whacked on. you. I know it does. <laughs> I thought she said stand up. Oh. <laughs> Very funny. Uh, Bill has an interesting story about his road trip, and and he he informed me that uh, he informed me of something that I didn't I didn't know about on on our cars. Really? What was that, Bill? Yeah. Well, you know, I drive the hybrid like you do, Tim, the mm-hmm. the, the uh, Explorer, and um, it was escape, used to be Escape. Buds. Escape. escape. Yep. yep. Escape. The Ford Escape. Yep. And it's got the uh, adaptive cruise control. So okay. I got myself into well, I got myself into trouble once with it. And then got myself out of it by being alert. But uh, my first problem was I was passing a police car along the side of the road with flashing lights. Mm-hmm. And I could not get over. There were too many cars in the left-hand lane. I see. So I passed them at what I thought was normal speed. But apparently I accelerated because then the police car that was following me from behind lit, lit up and pulled me over. Oh, no. And apparently, I did not know this rule, and I thanked the officer for telling me about it. I knew about the get over to the left-hand side of that rule, but the yeah. other side is you have to slow down if you cannot get right. to the right. right. I didn't know that. Yes, you're supposed to slow down to the point where you could stop. Right, and he said, Mr. Wilson, you actually accelerated. And then I explained to him I was on adaptive cruise control, so it was actually Rupert that accelerated. Uh-huh. I'll blame it on the car. <laughs> trying to get away from the fuzz, man. You know what? I got a warning. I got off with a warning. Wow. wow. But here's the other scary thing. I went on with that nicely written uh, traffic warning on my passenger seat heading toward the city of Atlanta. This is about 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, not a whole lot of traffic. And I look down at my speedometer and I'm going 90 miles an hour go on my adaptive go. cruise control because Rupert saw the sign for Route 85 and thought that was the speed limit. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No. See, I thought that was GPS, but it's an optical thing. There's a tiny camera on the back of your uh, your uh, rearview mirror yeah. that takes those pictures. And that's happened to me out here on Thompson Bridge Road, too, where the route number is 60. But the speed limit is, as it should be, about 35 or 40. And a couple of times, Rupert's tried to accelerate on that road. I would... I would uh... I would quit using the adaptive cruise control as well. Well, you just you guys talk about it all the time. You've got to stay engaged. You've got to pay attention to what's going on. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, absolutely. I'll never stop using it, but I, I, I am very attentive as to what it's doing and when and where. Okay. Okay. But, uh, yeah, good to know. Food for thought. So you didn't have any other instances on the trip back or anything? Oh, yeah. I hit a nail or something on the trip back. Oh. and took out one of my tires. Uh-oh. Well, wow. 
Ah, uh, I was going to talk about a vibration adventure that I had, but we'll do that on another show. This is a family show. Yeah, I understand. Vibration, I said. <laughs> I know. Car vibration. Oh, car about. vibration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Bristol Dirt Race. <laughs> yeah? Was a bust. Oh, yeah. I guess the racing was all right, but it was supposed to be on Sunday. So I'm out in the shop Saturday doing stuff, mm-hmm. and I'd already planned, well, on Sunday I'll watch the Bristol race because there's nothing else on. Right. And uh, not the Bristol race, the Coliseum race. Oh, yeah, out in L.A. Yeah, in L.A. Mm-hmm. Well, the weather was coming in, bad weather, so they, yeah. they moved the race to Saturday, and all the people that had f- tickets for Sunday for the race could come and they could use their tickets, but by the time they announced it, you know, you'd have yeah. to replan your whole day or whatever. Right, right. Uh, so they what? went and had the race on Saturday with like 35 fans or something. Oh, so my. I think Kyle uh, Petty was right last mm-hmm. week. You know, it's it's like the Rocky movie. Yeah. They did three years of the Bristol Dirt Race. That's what I was thinking of. And this was the third year of the Coliseum Race. And I think it's time to take this show on the road, as they say, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. somewhere else. So we'll, we'll wow. find out where. All right. You sent me something really interesting about this Rivoy truck thing yes it's a it's called the revoy revoy i'm sorry hybrid truck system and well there are still way more questions than i have answers but i, I mean i dug as deep as i could dig. you drew pictures for goodness um, sake yeah That's i drew pictures so so what this is is a hybrid truck system it's actually a trailer so so you don't have to the, the first thing is the cost if we're talking about electrifying big trucks over yeah, the road yeah, yeah, trucks yeah. there's three times the cost so you're looking at a half million bucks to buy a road tractor that can maybe give you a couple hundred miles before you have to stop and charge it again yeah. for a number of hours which doesn't make sense in anybody's book so i get what they're trying to accomplish and around town you know an electric truck makes sense so these over the road this is a this is a trailer that hooks to a regular diesel truck and then it's got an electric drive system in it and then the trailer that you're hauling freight in hooks to the fifth wheel of the hybrid revoy unit what's the tractor doing at this point in time well the tractor is idling yeah i mean you have to have the tractor has to be running for the steering and air compressor for the brakes etc and the lights and all that stuff but they say this takes it from the average uh big rig gets about six to eight miles to the gallon they say you can get between 20 and 35 miles to the gallon that is significant. If you're talking about oh, hundred, yeah. yeah. you're talking about traveling 150,000 miles a year in this truck, at the diesel prices currently, that's $100,000 worth of fuel a year. If you can cut that to a third or a half, that's a significant savings. But this thing would be a subscription type deal, right? Right. So these will go 250 miles. Um, and they have swapping stations. Is there a plan? They've got one plan. station. This is the plan. They've yeah. got one swapping station in Dallas. Now, that's their whole gig. And this is going to take years and years and years mm-hmm. to develop. And the main thing is, though, it weighs 17,000 pounds. There you go. So it cuts your payload so by So it cuts your 000. payload. But there's still, you know, uh, that, that gives you about 33,000 pounds of available payload. There's still a lot of loads. There's a lot of LTL loads, UPS, right, FedEx. Yeah. There's a lot of smaller loads. You know, a, a truckload, a 53-foot truckload of paper towels doesn't weigh 12,000 pounds. That's right. You yeah, know, yeah. So, so there still is capacity for that. So it, it's an interesting concept that actually does make sense. Of course, nobody knows the cost of these things or what the uh, subscription price 
price would be. But if you're saving 50 or 75,000 a year on fuel and you didn't have to buy a EV truck to do it with, uh, it could be a significant savings and, and make sense. Well, let's explore this a little later in the show because I got a couple questions I want to ask. Where are we going to get restoration parts and, uh, you know, keep American performance going? Well, we go to the muscle car experts at year one in Cornelia, Georgia. And that is true. Always. And they are having a wheel sale right now, and they have uh, 17-inch wheels for your muscle car. What I didn't understand, what I didn't realize was they have got all the different styles of wheels for all the different types of cars, like the Magnum wheel. Mm -hmm. It wasn't only on Mopars. It was on Mustangs. It was on, you know, a, a plethora of cars, right. and they've got those available for all the different cars. Same with the Pontiac Rally and the Snow Snowflake wheels, the Mopar Rally wheels, mm-hmm. uh, the Honeycomb wheels, five-spoke Corvette rallies. Okay. Uh, you know, they have truck wheels, uh, SS, uh, SS2 wheels from your Super Sport era. And the cool thing about these wheels, they don't have trim rings and stuff on them. Everything's all made in billet. And right, the, you know, and they're uh, seventeen inch, eighteen. Seventeen, inch. yeah. So, yeah. well, these this particular sale is on seventeen, 17 inch wheel inch. kits, and you can get the center caps and all that. Don't get wheels without getting new center caps. Right, a, a customer just brought in a sixty-seven GTO with those wheels uh, that look like original Pontiac wheels, but like you say, no trim rings. It's all billet. It's polished. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. But it's subtle, you know, to look at it like you and me. Yeah. <laughs> You and, me. <laughs> you and me. We are so subtle sometimes. Anyway, check out what Year One has to offer. Uh, they're restoring American performance one part at a time. Uh, put in Bud 20, and depending on the part and the specials that are going on, you may get a 20% discount. Okay. And that can be huge. Oh, yes, it Let can. me tell you. Year1.com. Well, our next guest is a retired NASCAR driver, author, broadcaster, one of the most recognizable broadcast voices, obviously. You'll know when I tell you who this is. Uh, he's a musician, husband, father, friend, and son of Richard Petty. That would be Kyle Petty. Kyle, welcome back into Bud's Garage. Hey, Kyle. Hey, thanks for, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate you guys having me. Well, it's, it's always good fun. I, I wanted to, uh, I guess the first thing I want to ask you is, you, have you started book two yet? <laughs> uh, so I wrote book two right alongside book one. That's what and I figured. As as I was with book, yeah, as soon as I was through with book one, I burned book, book two. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's the stories that can never be told. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, that's not a tell. I, I tell people, I said, either I'm going to burn it at some point in time, or I'm going to put a stipulation like um, Mark Twain, when he wrote his uh, autobiography. Right. Um, it couldn't be published for 100 years. That way, um, none of it, their, anybody he insulted, their heirs, their heirs, heirs, and their heirs, heirs, couldn't sue him or his estate or anybody related to him. So that's kind of the way I'm going to have to do it. Uh, that sounds like a good plan. All right. Hey, I, you know, I haven't seen much about any big changes to the Gen 7 car other than the new Mustang body. Um, has NASCAR pretty much left the car alone for the season as far as you know? Yes, p- pretty much. I think they went to, to Phoenix, you know, um, like last, and I, early, was it earlier this year? No, I think it was after, probably after day or after Christmas. Right. Uh, before Christmas, right along in there. Um, and they're working on their short track package. Okay. You know, they, they're, they're working on that downforce engine combination, power to, to downforce ratio. Um, and I think that's their, their biggest 
their biggest thing that they're but as far as the basic card, no. Nothing nothing that a fan will see, nothing that a fan will really notice unless it makes the short track racing better. Then you'll notice it. Right. Um, but if it, if it fails, they won't notice it at all. Yeah, I don't think the Mustang, the new body, the uh, dark horse body is, is hugely different uh, aside from the rear quarters. And I guess we'll see when it starts running with the other cars. Yeah, you know, it's it's so funny, man. You know, they've, they've got so many data points and so much information on these things now. Um, visually... You, you can't see the difference. You don't know until they run. And even though, you know, they, they try to keep all the cars um, in, that, in, that, in that pocket, in that same so much front downforce, so much rear, so much overall, so much drag, uh, they try to keep it in that, that range. You know, it just, man, it's, it's, it's a real world when you put it on the racetrack and it works in different ways than oh, what yeah. those numbers tell you oh, sometimes. Yeah. So until they go run it, nobody really knows. You you have a guess, but it's not a perfect guess. This season <clears throat> has seen driver changes, crew chief changes, spotter changes. Are there any big surprises in your view? No, no. You know, I I, I don't think so. Um, for me, I, I you know, it's it's a, and and this this is it, it's funny, you know, and, and you you mention them as changes. I I just mentioned in my mind they're a shuffle. Um, right. It's, it's still the still the same deck of cards. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's more of a shuffle sometimes than it is really a change. Um, you know, I, I, I thought I thought you know when Kyle Busch went to to Childress, that was a change because right. that was that was a start over. That was a reset and let's start over with a different group. But most of the stuff we're seeing right now is just more of a shuffle, um, and it's not really it, it's a, it's a personality shuffle. It's an equipment shuffle. It's that kind of shuffle where. Um, I don't think, hopefully, I mean, you do it because you hope there's a change. You hope there's an improvement. Um, but, you know, the, 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 that's the best-case scenario. Uh, Worst-case scenario is it just stays the same um, because then you've done everything for naught. Have you, have you paid attention? I, it just came across my computer when I was doing research. Connor Zillish, have you paid any attention to him, or, or did he just come out of the blue? Or, or you know, he signed with Trackhouse now. He looks... Uh, you know, he looks like he'd be a real talent, but I don't know much about him. And you know what? I don't know a lot about him either. Um, and it's it's one of those things where you say, he, did he come out of the blue? You know, it's like Kosovar, some of those guys. Right, you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. They, they, they've been there, and they've been hovering, and you, you know they're there, but then all of a sudden they are there. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that kind of – sometimes that kind of catches you off guard. Listen, there – I, even, and I hate to say it, but even at 16 years old, there is no thing as an overnight sensation at this sport Oh, anymore. no, no, no. You know what I mean? No. Some, somebody's got a, an eye on them. Somebody's paying attention to them. Um, and, and most of the time, it's more than one person. It's not like it used to be when, when Rick hired Jeff Gordon. Right, yeah. uh, You know, or Jimmy Johnson came along and some of those guys. That's not the way it is anymore. It's, it's listen, these, these, some of these owners start getting resumes from kids that run Bandoleros when they're six oh, yeah. seven years yeah. old. So yeah. They they know who's coming. Yeah, and somebody's stuffing their pockets usually. Oh yeah, for sure, man, for sure. <laughs> All right, some fo- some folks, including your dad, have expressed higher horsepower packages for the the Gen Seven car. Has that been tested out so far? As, as you know. No. no, you know, listen, I, I I don't really think so. And and here here's why, you know, and this is this is a sore subject with me, um, because. The days of the days of 
dropping that thing off in turn one at Atlanta mm-hmm. and having the guts come out of it and you back it in the wall and it rings your bell and you don't know where you're at for a month. Right. Um, those days are gone. They just don't blow up engines anymore. And yeah. they don't blow up engines because they don't, they don't, they don't press the engines. You right. don't, you don't, you're not, you're not putting it on the absolute limit. Um, and I think that's what some of the older guys and like my dad and even some engine builders, if you talk to them, you know, they'd like to go back. Turn me loose, man. Let me go ahead and build, let me build something to, to try to build something better than what the next guy's built. To try yeah. to do something better. But you, and just like I was talking earlier about uh, the downforce numbers on the cars and where the cars are at, you know, if you keep me in a box, that's, that's where I, I've got to play inside that box. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? And, and I, I hate it, but the sport wasn't built on coloring inside the lines. It was, it, was, it was coloring over the lines a little bit and expanding <laughs> the lines. And we, just, and we just can't do that anymore. You know what I mean? So I, I, think, that's where, I think that's where you see these in-car cameras and you see this stuff. Man, man you know, it's incredibly difficult to drive these things with this lack of horsepower and, and the downforce packages that they run. But, you know, you look at the in-car camera and it just it sounds incredibly simple. It looks incredibly simple. Um, but I think the older guys would like to see it put back with more horsepower, a little bit different tire maybe combination where they were a little harder. Right. Um, put it back in the driver's hands, uh, the seat of his pants, and, and, the, and the feeling that he feels in his, in his feet while he's on the gas and, and having to feather that thing a little bit up off the corner. Have you had a chance to drive the Gen 7 car? No. Okay. And that, I, I drive. Listen, I drive a minivan, and as far as I can tell, <laughs> it's pretty much the same thing as the Gen Seven. Okay. Uh, when, when, when you look at it and you get in it, I got backup cameras, man. I got a, I got a rear camera that tells me what's behind <laughs> me. I got independent rear suspension and sequential shift. I got it, man. I got, a, I got a jamming minivan. So I mean, it, so it's not, it's not the race cars that I grew up with. Right. It's just a different race car. Yeah. And, sure. And, you know, and I'm not saying that I wouldn't like to, to have the opportunity to just see what it feels like, but when I talk to these guys, um, it feels so different than anything that, that they've experienced, uh, especially a guy like Harvick and some of those guys who sure. drove the old yeah. cars. Yeah, the old cars, um, yeah. So much different. Than it, 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 would be, it would be starting over for somebody like me to jump back in one and even run a few laps. Okay. Track and schedule changes. What do you think of the number of short track uh, super speedways, intermediate tracks, and road courses on the schedule. Are the ratios right? You know what? That's a, that's a really good question. And that's not a, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a fan question. Mm-hmm. That's not a, that, because I'm, I'm going to tell you something. If, if, and these guys, listen, we all pop off about it every now and then. You know, and, and, but when you really get down into it, um, if they say, hey, we're going to run 52 weeks and we're going to run this, these racetracks, you're going to say, yes, sign me up, dude. I'm there. Yeah. I'll go. Yeah. Um, you don't care. As mm-hmm. long as they're running a race, you don't care mm-hmm. as a driver. Okay. You know, it, it's harder on the teams, but a driver, um, a la you know, Kyle Larson and some of these guys, we see, we see these guys that run six and seven nights a week. They don't care. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right. They're, they're ready to go run. They don't care where it's at. So I think that becomes more of a fan. Okay, Kyle, the dirt track at the Coliseum, it was cool once, pretty big investment on return. And it's in L.A. What's your thoughts on that? I don't know. Um, you know we're here, and and so now we're back to now we're now we're back to to the thing where um, I think NASCAR's trying. And and I listen. I give them huge credit for trying. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We know this is for and and we hear it all the time from from you know the NBA and from the NFL. Oh, 
going, yeah, I know I got a, I got a stadium that, that seats 80,000 people, but I don't have enough luxury suites, you know, so you're going to have to build me a new stadium. You know, are you going to have to build this for me to keep keep this team in town? Mm-hmm. And and my point on that is, there's nobody building new racetracks. You know, we're just not building new racetracks. There's, that's three, four, five hundred million dollar investments. That so nobody's doing that. And you've got to go places. Uh, so and and that because of that because of that, you can only take your sport to certain places. And you know, we the the racetrack there in Southern California. Um, Sonoma, which is which is the road course, but you know to to L.A. proper, there was no racetrack, there was no place. So NASCAR deemed that hey, if you can't come, you won't come to us, we'll come to you, and that's what they did. And I think that part of the the marketing, that part of the strategy, um, was brilliant because you looked at the demographics of the fans that came to that race, and you looked at the people, and you thought, yeah, those are. Those are not your typical cup fans. Those are not your typical NASCAR fans. And I think to keep the thing alive and to keep it fresh for a lot of people, um, in the in the LA market, man, uh, you gotta keep changing it. And you know, we're we're almost to that point where, you know, Rocky one was a big hit. Rocky six or seven, not so much. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. We, we we may be getting into that Rocky six or seven stage where there's still got that core audience that'll come and watch it, but I'm not sure sure how long they're going to keep watching rocky movies you know what i mean so yeah. uh, but i do believe i do believe from a marketing standpoint and from a promotional standpoint to be in that market for nascar is extremely important and there is there's no better place to go than than the coliseum i mean if it's good enough for evil knievel it's got to be good enough for us okay <laughs> let, me, let me just let me just go ahead and say that so it's, it's got to be good enough for us to try at least everything we can uh to get people in there well, we were uh, we were talking a couple of weeks ago on the show that Roger Penske has uh, mentioned a possible new series uh, similar to the Australian V8 supercars. I don't know that we don't have that already, and and hybrid power in the near future. Uh, what are your thoughts on that stuff? Yeah, that that's that's I think God, that's a hard question, you know, because I think we saw all these manufacturers come out a couple of years ago and you know we're going to have a 80 percent electric fleet by you know 2035 and all this stuff and now they're all backing away from those statements um and 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 they are and i I think i think there is a place um there is a place in motorsports for electric vehicles i don't believe it's the dominant place as of yet um but i think eventually uh if the world keeps changing and things keeps going keep going the way it is uh, it'll become more dominant. Um, but you know, it, it's a, it's a funny, funny thing, man. Uh, you know, I guess they've got the Formula E. There's a couple of different series that that do it, um, and and that kind of stuff. I love the supercar stuff. Oh, know, yeah. Whether it's Australian, whether it's in, yeah. in Europe, I love I love that kind of stuff. But the car that we got we have now, as you say, is I'm not sure that we're not there. We're de- we're pretty dang close. Um, you know, you look at Gasbergen who wins at Chicago. Right, pretty yeah. dang close. That's what that's why he came out of, and he adapted really quick. A phenomenal race car driver. Don't get me wrong, but he he would not have adapted that quick to that antiquated piece we used to run. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It, yeah. it was just it was just a totally different animal. Um, but you know, I, I think I think as you look at it, it's really going to depend uh, in a lot of a lot of ways um, on. on you know what, what fans want too, um, because I mean I, I you know it, we're back to the, listen. The only reason 
that we have any sport is because of the fan base. Because if fans don't come and watch it, there is no sport. It's just not going to happen for us. And, um, you know, I just don't know. I don't know where the, the hybrid I, – I go back to, my, to my, what my dad said, and I, and I will throw this on you. If you go back to the turn of the century, there were steam engines mm-hmm. and there were electric cars even mm-hmm. then. There yep. were electric cars even then, people trying, trying to make electric cars, and there were gasoline engines. And you know what? 120 years ago or 30 years ago, the gasoline engine won the race. It won out. Right. And that's why we went to gasoline engines. Nobody wanted steam engines. Nobody wanted to be riding down the road in their Cadillac shoveling coal in the back of it. You know what I mean? That <laughs> just wasn't going to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. They went to a gasoline engine. And as of yet, no matter who's made a run at the gasoline, at the internal combustion engine, they, they've put dents in it. But by God, they hadn't slowed it down any. It's no. still chugging along, man. <laughs> yeah, and you're right. Any, any form you want to. So. Uh, it's still the winter 120-some years later is the way I look at it. And in the foreseeable future, they're going to keep throwing things at it, but it, it's going to be the winter for a while. Yeah, I think so, too. So, Kyle, what's in store this year for you? Uh, the charity ride in your podcast, any music in your plans? You know what? I'd like to be doing some music, but I, I'm chasing kids more than I'm playing music right sure. now, to be honest yeah. with I, when, as soon as I hang up with you guys, I'm doing the carpool thing today. That's my driving duty now. There I'm you go. Being a cup driver to the carpool driver. So <laughs> it is, you know, the charity ride comes up um, the the first of May this year. We're really excited going from Deadwood, um, Deadwood, South Dakota. We're coming down. We're, we call it our Mara Icon ride. And let me tell you what we're doing uh, because we're going to iconic places. We're going to Mount Rushmore. We're going to Indianapolis to the Speedway cool. and take a lap. Uh, we'll be at the Mississippi River for a while. Uh, we're going to Churchill Downs. We're going to the Corvette Museum. Uh, we're going to to Bristol, Tennessee. We're just stopping at some iconic American places. Um, and we're really excited about this year's charity ride. Okay. Uh, I will say that. A lot of people hurt. Listen, got to tell you, uh, how can you not be excited when you got, like, Richard Petty, Donnie Allison, and Herschel McGriff, who's 96 years old, will yeah. get on a motorcycle. Yeah. He's going to ride his bike and ride yeah. with you. got three Hall of Famers. So, yeah, when you when, – when you have a ride and you have those guys, it's pretty pretty fun. That that I would say so. So we need to have you back uh, sometime in April to tell us about the uh, you know how people can book that and and uh, you know participate in the ride and and if they can't participate, help out in other ways. How are, how could folks keep up with what Kyle Petty's doing? Yeah, you can go listen. Follow me on Twitter because I'm mouthy. Uh, I would say <laughs> that. But I will tell you what we've done. Uh, this year, this is our 75th anniversary. This is my family's 75th anniversary in, 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 in the sport. Last year was NASCAR's. NASCAR was formed in 48. My grand, granddad ran that first race in 49. So this is our, our 75th anniversary. And we have started a YouTube channel. It's called Petty Family Racing. Cool. Um, and um, my sister, she goes to the museum and picks out a couple of items and talks about them uh, probably once a week. We're doing a podcast with my uncle's... My uncle's uh, sons called petty brothers uh it's a petty brother podcast they they have their own youtube channel we put one segment on on monday and then our segment goes up on wednesday um my dad is doing a lot of stuff with trophies and a lot of stuff and we're just going through our family history uh all year long this year on on a youtube channel so follow us on the youtube channel and subscribe to that watch that and you'll you'll there's some interesting stuff that's already up there uh, that that's just informative stuff we've never really shown and stuff that we've never really told. So it's more of a, a family history of all of us. But you can do that or follow me at uh, 
at the Charity Ride or at Victory Junction, man. Always at camp, you can follow us. Oh, yeah. All right. Great stuff. Kyle Petty. Kyle, thanks for taking the time to, uh, you know, uh, be with us here at Bud's Garage, man. We look forward to talking to you uh, sometime in April, maybe, about the Charity Ride and getting some more updates on that, okay? Thank you, guys. I appreciate it, man. Hey, we appreciate it. Now go get those kids. (laughs) I'll go get them, man. I'll go slow, I promise. Thanks. So, Tim, with all of the wildfires and stuff we've seen in uh, in Hawaii and, and things around the country, really, disasters we've seen in the, the past few months. Right. Who are the folks that you see at the scene helping these people out, and where do they get their training? Right. You see firefighters there. Mm-hmm. You see EMTs there. You see management personnel that can coordinate, you know, the stuff that's coming in to help the people get it to the right places, things like that. You know where people can learn those things? Tell me. Lanier Technical College. They have fire science technology. Now, obviously, fire science technology deals with firefighting. You can get a basic fire company officer certificate, a firefighter firefighter one certificate or a firefighter two certificate. And then you can get into emergency uh, management technology. And that's the people that figure out, you know, how supplies get doled out to people and uh, you know coordinate that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and the emts that help rescue people and take care of the medical side of uh you know a situation like that right and these people whether you're from georgia or anywhere in the country you can get this training at lanier technical college here in georgia at the main campus and some of it's even available online some of the certificate stuff that you uh, have to complete and get through and uh, you know you can be out there helping people uh, that are in very, very sure. dire straits. So check them out at LanierTech.edu. Go to the public service portion of the programs offered. And uh, they've got that and so many other programs. So what's cool about the programs at Lanier Technical College is you can put them in your back pocket. Mm-hmm. You can move to another state. You can move to another country. Right. And still use the skills that you learn at this, at this technical college. Uh, just a great place to get started in life and, and get a career going for you. LanierTech.edu. Check them out. Okay, Tim. Yes. I referenced in the first segment of the show that I wanted to get back on this truck thing you're talking about, this Reboy. Yeah. All I saw online about this thing was a cartoon. Not a mm-hmm. cartoon, an A. Right. What do they, they didn't call it? show I any... keep calling it A1. It's a, it's a, a, what is it? artificial intelligence mm-hmm. thing you know it was a little video thing and it wasn't sure wasn't very long and and i i did see a youtube thing or a news report about how this could be a possibility right all right down the line right yeah right. i don't see anybody building these things now that right. i've seen or or heard about maybe other than in texas mm-hmm. is this a money grab i i don't think it is i mean it could be you never know but someone went to a lot of trouble to do this and it's a doggone good idea if it works but nobody knows what the cost is it's going to be enormous if they're going to do a subscription and and have these available every 250 miles for how many of them are they going to need but it it does appear that it would save a lot of money you know for the owners of the trucks uh to have this system so i don't know bud but there's got to be some kind of release of liability or something because this thing's got a set of tires on it and this thing's got a hitch on it there's going to be insurance involved and and then my question was and as much as i dug i couldn't i kept asking it 
is there any government subsidy money involved in this? And I couldn't get an answer on that. This would, you know, they spent a trillion dollars on all this electrification. Here's something that makes sense. Why don't they put some money into this, the government, you know, if they're going to... Well, look at what's... Yeah, but, you know, I, I, I just scheduled my my tax thing. I know you do yours quarterly, but mm. our personal tax thing, I just scheduled it for us. And I'm thinking, you know, right now the whole EV world is caving in. Right. And we all pay and we're paying to for subsidize it. that. Yeah. How about how about we get a little back? Right. Or how right. about how about we just sit out on filing our taxes this year and you guys live on all that, you know, you yeah. pay for everything based on a budget like the rest of us have. How to. about if the government would just spend money on something that makes sense for once instead of all this Pipe dream stuff. Right. Because everybody, everybody's reversing their thinking on the EV. Oh, stuff. sure. It's, uh, it's over. That's over. I mean, it'll creep along, and now that it'll be private money, it's going to be a whole different story, but I don't see... Yeah, but we still, we still paid for a bunch of stuff that I we're know, never going to reap the rewards on. Well, will we get... Re you know, in, in the long term, will the technology that they've developed so far... Uh, piggyback on to something else down the road. Yeah, I just feel one letter off of reaped. That's all. <laughs> I'm just saying. All right, let's talk about a little bit of history right now. Okay, okay that's great. I all love right. history. Good. Bill, was there ever a superhero called the Blue Flame? I just, I just needed to ask you. That. <laughs> not to my knowledge. <laughs> not to your knowledge. Maybe in certain circles. There was the Blue there Beetle. Might have been the Blue Beetle, huh? Yeah. Okay. I just wonder. There was the Blue Gin on I Dream of Genie. I just don't know where they came up with the name, but you know, the Corvette, the first engine in the Corvette was called mm -hmm. the Blue Flame. The Blue Flame, yeah. right. So, you know what the Blue Flame was based on, if it wasn't a superhero? It was a uh, six-cylinder truck engine, Souped-up right? six-cylinder truck engine. And, you know, it, 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 at the time, it was an inline-six, all right, because a lot of the the European cars were inline sixes, mm -hmm. and they already had one. So Chevrolet put a truck engine in it, recammed it, put three deuces on it, and made it sporty. Yeah. But then they kind of monkeyed it up on the transmission, because what was this transmission at that point? A two-speed power glide yeah, was, was the box. only thing yeah. available. I bet it was smooth, though. Yeah. Well, you of know. course, the engine only had 150 horse. But right. that was more... At but the roads weren't that. The roads weren't that great then either. You know, so, well, the the car, it, it was their first shot at a sports car. Right. Okay, let's put it that way. But one thing it did inspire was the V8. Mm -hmm. Now I don't remember. It's, I'm going to have to get with one of my Corvette buddies whether the V8 ever came with a 265 because that was the first Chevy V8 that I remember. Right. Then the 283, and of course the 327, and on and on and on. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, do you don't recall a Corvette having the 265 in it? No. I, I, I remember 283 uh, 327s. So right. I don't know whether that got passed over on the Well, on that's the your homework, bud. Oh, thanks. <laughs> that's not fair. You're not, you're not supposed to give me homework. But anyway, it, what it did spur on mm -hmm. was people wanting a V8 and a four-speed. Right. So that, I think they originally went from a three-speed to a four-speed, but... Hey, it, you know, it was back then, it was... Uh, and look at it now. Still oh, yeah. alive. Yeah, still alive. Wow. And it had a top speed back then of 108 miles an hour. Yeah, that was pretty fast. At 4,800 RPM. 
A six-cylinder spinning 4,800 RPM, straight six. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, that engine was originally developed, I think, in the 30s, right? That's the, it was called the Stove Bolt 6 yep, or something? Yep, 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 absolutely. I had my first vehicle was a 53 Chevy pickup that had a six-cylinder, and it lasted me about three weeks before it I wonder. Away. I wonder why. I wonder yeah. why, mm. yeah. Well, this week's guest on Bud's Garage Overdrive uh, has been a friend of our shows, Bud's Garage, on terrestrial radio for years, and that would be Brandon Hutchinson. He's the executive vice president and general manager of Atlanta Motor Speedway. Brandon, welcome in to uh, Bud's Garage Overdrive, the podcast. Hey, Brandon. What's going on, guys? Well, that's... Overdrive the podcast the podcast that is right that's awesome i appreciate you guys having me i always enjoy talking to y'all i I can't believe that it's time to talk about 2024 and the Better health 400 coming up before we know it yeah yeah you're 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 both ends of the schedule this year how long have you been involved in your present career at uh atlanta motor speedway 28, this year will be, 2024 will be 29 years. I started in March of 1995 as an intern out of Georgia Southern University. No kidding. What have been some of the positions that you've, uh, you know, worked your way through? Well, as an intern, I was the, I was in charge of counting license plates in the parking lot during our auto fair car show. We wanted to make sure we had a real tight uh, knowledge of, of who was coming to our events. It's hard to believe back in 1995 to get that data. You went out in the parking lot and, wow. and, and wrote down what, what, what states the license plates were from. Really? Wow. That's um, cool. A- absolutely. And, and then, no, I got hired on starting getting, started getting paid as the track rental coordinator in July of 1995 when I had completed my internship. And, you know, I did my internship in public relations, worked for Richard Sowers and Emmett Bird, and then the last day of my internship, two people in the events department, the events department was made up of two people, so in effect, the entire events department left, and I went to then-President Ed Clark and said, look, you don't even need to look. This is the last day of my internship. I'm ready to go to work. He did his due diligence. A month later, hired me as a track rental coordinator, and I've been the track rental coordinator, the director of events, the vice president of events, the assistant general manager, and then uh, fortunate enough now to uh, hold my current position as executive vice president and general manager. So when you're events coordinator, what, what, type, of, what type of people are you interacting with? I'm, I'm assuming race teams, uh, local organizations, et cetera, et cetera. Did we, you know, you jumped in with both feet there. Yeah, I really did. Um, I was drinking from a fire hose for about five years, really. Um, as the as the events coordinator, it was my responsibility to rent the track. So I had to seek out potential clients. I had to engage with those clients. Had to sell them on coming to Atlanta Motor Speedway. Had to generate the agreements, had to make sure we had certificate of insurances, had to make sure we got paid, really a a one-stop shop, so to speak, in the events department. And then that would evolve during a NASCAR race weekend to really oversee the, along with the director of events, Emmett Bird at that time, to, to oversee the traffic, parking, fire, medical, gate operations, ushers, life flight, 
um, you name it. This place turns into one of the largest cities in the state when a NASCAR event comes to town, and we were really involved with every piece of the event as it related to uh, standing it up and making it work. Hmm. Brandon, how did how did your passion for cars get you started in this, or did you have a passion for cars as a car guy? That's a great question, and to be honest with you, I, I think passion might be a bit too strong of a word. Um, certainly loved old muscle cars. My brother had a 1965 Mustang with a 289 dual overhead cam. The thing was painted just cherry red, loved it, and so that got me interested in cars, and then, you know, back when I was in high school, that was the day of the the Mustang 5.0, the, the, it was a, just a car that everybody wanted. And so I had an interest in cars, um, but really for me it was more about professional sports. I had been an athlete growing up, had played football, had played soccer all my life, and really wanted to, to become a professional uh, athlete. And, you know, there comes a point in most of our lives where if you've got that dream, you realize it's not likely going to happen. And so I transitioned from being a professional athlete to working in professional sports. And my last quarter at Georgia Southern University, I had to do an internship. And Atlanta Motor Speedway had an internship available. As I said, I was in the public relations department. I was a, a communication arts major, so I was looking for an internship in in PR, got one here, and never left. So, when when you got into, you know, the the car end of things, the how did how did you feel about interning at a racetrack? When did you did you feel at that point in time had you followed NASCAR and did you consider race car drivers athletes because they weren't necessarily all athletes back in the nineties. Another great question. You know, it is no doubt some a conversation I had had throughout the years, but growing up in North Gwinnett County, um, just down the road from, from Brazelton and Lanier National Speedway, um, grew up going to the races and sitting on the back stretch and, and watching the short track racing play out in front of, front of you. And you learn real quick that, uh, you know, there, there's, there's some athlete in these guys, sure enough. The hand-eye coordination is second to none. While they're not putting on helmets or picking up bats or hockey sticks, these guys are getting in big, heavy, fast, high-horsepower race machines, um, and things are coming at you really, really quick. So that's a great question, but I always had a high respect uh, for, for these drivers as, as athletes and have defended that when necessary for years. But it's interesting how, um, you know, that, that mindset has certainly changed throughout the years, and I think they're all very highly respected and uh, the best in the world at what they do. Now that's, you know, that's for sure, especially nowadays when you look at the schedule of a race car driver compared to what it used to be back in the you know, 80s and 90s, it was, you know, you, you put roofs on houses during the week and then you go race on the weekends, you know, a little little bit different than the uh, duties they have nowadays. You know, you think about it. Kyle Larson said he's going to run, likely run about 100 races yep. next year. Yep. That's a race every 
3.2 days. <laughs> you know, I mean, well, I hadn't thought the of it guy, like that, yeah. The, the guy is racing throughout the entire year. I was talking to Zane Smith um, not too long ago, and, and you know, he's going to run uh, upwards towards 50 races in a year. So, yeah, you know, there were, there were people, you know, Richard Petty, the Petty family, they were racing a lot. You know, they were racing quite a few times a week on, on some weeks. But, um, you know, a lot of those guys, you're right, they worked all week. And the car that they drove to work was the car that they drove to the racetrack. And talking to Rex White, mm-hmm. past NASCAR champion, they would get to the racetrack and just change the tires. You know? <laughs> wow. uh, that's, that's hard to believe, you know, that's really hard to believe. But you're yeah, right. And you yeah. had you you had a short track car, according to Rex, you had a short track car and you had a super speedway car. And if you wrecked that short track car, you you were running the super speedway car at the short tracks and vice versa. So I tell you it was a different time. You know, the pioneers of our sport are to be commended for all of the blood, sweat and tears they put into making what this sport is today and the the competitors of today are to be commended for adapting to the ever-changing race car, race tracks, um, just the surrounding environment in which they're racing in, um, and, and the the pulls for the time on these guys. I don't think most fans understand just how much these guys are pulled. And like I said, I was talking to Zane Smith, and even then, talking to him, he's like, yeah, I got a lot on my plate, but if you need me to do something, call me. You know, yeah. they, the, this, this group of guys now, they kind of, they, they get that we're all in this together and a rising tide lifts all ships. So how can the promoters help the competitors and vice versa? How can the competitors help the promoters be successful? Brandon, what were some of the jobs that you worked just to survive as you followed your dreams? You know, I was very fortunate. Like I said, I got this job coming right out of college. So for me, survival was getting to the next level here. You know, Mm. Ed Clark, God bless him, um, great friend of mine now. We talk a couple times a week. Um, He was a frugal boss. And so, you know, I I wasn't hired in um, making a ton of money. I kind of went out on a wing and a hope and said, look, I'll I'll come to work for whatever you want to pay me. I'm going to keep my nose down to the grindstone, and I'm going to eventually get to a point where I'll be able to take care of myself. And so I had jobs just like everybody else growing up. I worked on a sod farm off Buford Highway. I worked at an Ingalls grocery store in Lawrenceville, Georgia. I worked at a, a end-zone convenience store, helping put myself through college at, uh, in, Georgia, in Statesboro at Georgia Southern University. But really, for me, I had goals of sitting in the chair that, as fortunate as I've been in the years that I've been here, my goal was to sit in the chair that I sit in now. And so survival for me was getting to that next level, being able to feed my family, while always making sure that I kept my eye on the prize. Well, you know, you mentioned that uh, Ed Clark was a, a frugal guy when you were working for him. Um, but I, I know that any time that I called the Speedway and talked to Ed, um, that if we needed something on the educational side, you know, to get my kids to the racetrack, this is when I was teaching at uh, technical college, to get my kids to the racetrack, to get them closer to the racing, to whatever it took. It wasn't about... 
it wasn't about just showing up and going, Gaga, look at all this. It was about, you know, actually learning while they were at the track and and seeing the, the real um, unglamorous portion of racing. You get in the garages and that, and it, you know, if you don't know what you're looking at, it, it may be pretty glitzy and that, but, you know, that becomes, that's life away from home, a lot of time away from home uh, for the, you know, the people that are on the teams and stuff like that. Ed always made those provisions for us to get to the track, see what's going on and get a realistic view of it. And you've carried that over. And that's, you know, that, that is, that's something you can't buy. Well, I appreciate you saying that, you know, there's, there's a lot of good we can do, um, in this industry. And I don't think there's much better than being able to connect with our community and making sure that when our community needs us, we're here that we do things to entrench ourselves as community members. We, we live in this community. We raise our families in this community. But then also to make sure that we work hard to give people access and opportunity during our NASCAR race weekends that, that might not otherwise have that opportunity. I want to make sure that we're working hard to, to be good, good community stewards. But at the end of the day, Bud, we need to cultivate that next generation of race fan as well. And I think that it's something I've, I've learned from Ed over the years, and that is, um, you know, it's a, it's a fantastic sport that, that we love, but we need to make sure that we nurture it as much as we nurture the, the community and the things that we do. We need to nurture this sport, make sure that we're paying it forward as much as we can, and that comes oftentimes in the way of access. You know, if you're in the industry you can easily become um, desensitized to some degree sure, in, yeah. in, in, in what you have access to. Yeah. And so to see, you know, now STEM is a big thing, and mm-hmm. to see kids having this access and opportunity, it's pretty cool and something that, uh, you know, if I do it now, it's only because it's an extension of what Ed Clark taught me, and that's what made him the best, quite honestly. Well, you mentioned STEM. That's interesting. I went to a... A band concert at a middle school, uh, you know, uh, during the holidays. And uh, somebody grabbed me by the arm. One of the administrators said, you got to meet this guy. And he knew, you know, my background. And it was a it was a science teacher that was teaching a class on on uh, engines, basically. And the whole class it was like 22 kids who were in the class and they all had projects they were working on. And he, he said, if you got a few minutes, go around and look at their their projects and these these kids were you know had a uh, model engines and stuff they'd taken apart and they they had had assembled and they had real engines they had taken apart and got them to run again and you know that this hands-on thing uh, you know will carry you a long way in life especially in the age of uh, you know six-figure mechanics in a dealership and uh, you know that this this guy that was with the STEM program he was he was really putting out for these kids and. Um, you know, what you do to get, get those kids' interest um, as, as far as hands-on or engineering or anything like that, that's, that's, a, that's a big deal. I'm looking at six school buses pulling into the Speedway right now from the Atlanta public school system. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that we're talking about this right now because, you know, it's not a STEM-based tour that we're giving here today, but it is um, us trying to make sure that we're, we're doing everything that we can within our, our community 
to get these kids out here. So, yeah, today we opened our gates for a field trip, but these STEM programs, they are giving these kids, as you said, the hands-on opportunity to learn and help them make decisions about what they might want to do when it's time for them to make a choice on, on a career. And it's, you know, you're right. It's not just the driver, the behind-the-scenes guys, the engineers, the mechanics, um, the, the hauler driver, the cooks, the, you know, the amount of, of careers that are available in NASCAR is really quite eye-opening if, if you take a look at it. And these STEM programs do give, give these kids real-life opportunities to uh, kind of get their hands dirty, roll up their sleeves, get their hands dirty, and, you know, kind of get a crack at, at what it might would be like to, uh, to be in the industry. Mm, that's right. In, in your role, Brandon, of attracting events and fans to the events, how in the world do you keep up and, and how can you predict how the sport itself is evolving? Well, I tell you, you just, it's an ever moving target. You know, there's ebbs and flows in everything that we do. So we try to, um, obviously we're, we're following what's changing within the sport. We're paying a lot of attention to what, um, what NASCAR is, is doing to the cars. And obviously with the big track changes that, that we just, embarked on a couple of years ago you know it's it's one big evolution you know and right. so really what's what's changing the most right now i think is is our fans and the 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 changes in expectation from from fans the the older fans are are getting older mm -hmm. and some of our some of our <laughs> most some of our most long term loyal fans that that we want to make sure we take care of because they've been good to us for a long time but at the same time there's a new generation of race fan coming in that has a completely different mindset a completely different set of of boxes to check to feel entertained so we're trying to evolve as well to make sure we're we're balancing adequately uh, to, to give both sets of fans everything they could want to make sure, again, that they get as much bang for their buck as, as humanly possible. But it's a great question. It's a moving target. And I can assure you it's something that we work at every day to make sure that we're, we're in an entertainment facility, right? So right. our evolution needs to be how do we entertain better next time? Mm -hmm. So when did you see the race weekend turn from a race to an event? And you guys are loaded with good questions here today. Um, it's always been, you know, for me in, in 1995, it was certainly less of an event. You know, the pre-race went from, um, you know, making sure you've got the, the national anthem, the color guard, and the invocation, and the grand marshal, to making sure you've got the red carpet going from the driver's meeting room to the pre-race stage, the driver's introduction stage out front the pre-race concert lined up it, it, it has changed so much 
But I will say again, we always had the mindset that it was an event, but just as we were just talking about, the mindset of the fan was different. Right. Let me come in. Let me come in there. Let me park my RV. Let me hang out with my buddies, and I'm just gonna. We're gonna create our own party. Mm-hmm. We don't. We don't need you guys to create a party because let me tell you, we're gonna create our own. Well, I'm not saying that the fans these days can't create their own party because they certainly can, but the expectation has changed in what we need to be doing um, to make sure we're, we're doing our part right. You know, like I said, when cars aren't on track. That's when it's our opportunity to entertain these fans. They can create the own part, their own party, but we want to make sure we're, we're doing that kind of work for them. So all they have to do is come here and just kind of relax and, and do what they want. Yeah, right. Sounds like a plan. Well, you, before we run out of time here, can I invite you back to do a part two of this podcast? Because uh, there's some things I want to ask you about 2024 and beyond. And, uh, you know, as we take in the next decade and, uh, you know, as you as you pass the baton on to uh, another person somewhere along the way, uh, you know, in the next 10, 20 years. So uh, you good with that? I would love that. And I'll tell you, the most important thing is, as I look at beyond 2024, is that I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. We'll continue right, with that right. on, on part two on Bud's Garage Overdrive. All right, so let's say you're a hot rodder and you're going to build a tea bucket and you want just the basic, basic, basic uh, drives on the, on the engine. And you don't want to go scrounging in the junkyard and you don't want to make up your own brackets and all that. You can call the folks at Concept One Pulley System and they will give you, a, you know, give you the rundown on a basic system that will fit. Hot rod chassis are different than modern car chassis. And their systems, if you tell them what you're putting them in, they can kind of tuck the components in. So they fit where you want them to fit. And you may not want to have, uh, you know, on a, on a T-bucket, you may not want to have power steering. You may not want to have air conditioning, obviously. Uh, and there, there may be some options that you do want electrically. Maybe you're bagging it or something like that, and you want more power on the alternator. And they can help you set that system up to fit, you know, if you're, if you're going with a Ford or a Chevrolet engine. And when we say Ford and Chevrolet, we're talking about the popular stuff. You know, the, the small blocks, the big blocks. Uh, in the case of Ford, you've got these small blocks. You've got the 351 Windsors, 351 Clevelands, Ford FE, 429, 460s. And, you know, they concentrate on those engines because those are the big engines as far as, uh, you know, hot rodding goes. Then you get into the LS stuff. And in the future, in the future, keep your ear to the track. Uh, for you Ford guys, they are eventually going to have a Coyote system. And uh, we, we love our Coyote engines. If you've got it, I've got two of them. And if you've got one, uh, you know, sooner or later, they're going to have a pulley system that will tuck things in, make it clean. Uh, you can get all the different finishes you want. You can call them. And they're in coming Georgia. And you can call them. And uh, at 877-785-5397 and talk to them about what you're building, what you need, how you would like it to look. And when they send it to you, surprise, surprise, it's going to fit. You don't have to use washers or spacers or any of that kind of stuff to, to goober up. Everything they send you goes in its place, fits properly, and it's just, it's just gorgeous when you're done. The prices vary because the prices vary on what you what you want to get and how much of it you want to get. Uh, if you're into the LS engines, they can help you out there, too, and we'll tell you about that in uh, 
future segments, but check them out. Concept One Pulley Systems, C1.com. Ask for Kevin or Randy, and they will uh, they will take care of your needs for you. Okay, Tim, so it's time for some thank yous. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know who I want to thank? Uh, Aaron Hughes, mm-hmm. you know, comes in every month and does a segment with us about Fords. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it's from Green Ford, which is a local dealership here in Gainesville. Right. But we always try to touch on the national stuff, so the folks who are listening to either the show or the podcast you know, get a little bit of something that's relevant to them. Right. And they can go to their dealership and, you know, ask about stuff. But if you're looking for special cars and stuff like that, Green Ford often gets them in. You go online and see what their inventory is, and they, and they wind up with some really nice, uh, you know, Mustangs and stuff that get oh, yeah. traded in from time to time, GT500s and 350s and uh, some of their big trucks and stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, good idea to, to look them up every once in a while, Green Ford. But Aaron brought in uh, one of his expert uh, salespeople, and that was Brian Mulkey, who uh, knows his big trucks. Oh, yes, he does. And you've dealt with them over there. And mm-hmm. So it's it's good to have a person like that in every dealership, wherever it may you know be, Ford dealership, that can uh, help you out with that kind of stuff. Well, it's a good that it's a family dealership, yeah, that's, and it's that low-key, low-pressure, yeah, yeah. and they are truly there to help. I've bought several vehicles from them. And I still have one that I bought from them in 2005. Then you can buy one worldwide. Yeah. And they'll, they'll get it to you somehow. Uh, Brandon Hutchinson from Atlanta Motor Speedway, Vice President and General Manager. Um, you know, part two here was uh, his second half of his uh, visit with us. And, and they got a big race coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. So mm-hmm. Check out Atlanta Motor Speedway. And, of course, Kyle Petty. Oh, yeah, always, Kyle. Always a hoot to have <laughs> Kyle on. Uh, you know, he, he says he's a gabber. Well, you know, he's a... Uh, what do you say? He's kind of mouthy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but it's, just, a, it's in a good way. He's so down to earth. No filter. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's good. I like to get that perspective instead of listening to some of the commentators and stuff tiptoe, tiptoe all over the the subject at hand. Right. Know, Kyle just gives he, it to you. He just tells it like it is. Jacob's Media, of course, with the studio and the sound and, and responsible for the sound is Mr. DJ Bill. Tell us about DJ and Bill. Wait, I have to be responsible for this sound? Oh, yeah. You didn't <laughs> oh, know man. that? Uh, that was the mouse type in the in the uh, Note to myself. In read the fine print. Yeah, yeah, read fine print. print. <laughs> well, bud, uh, trivia is my name because I write, produce trivia games for this entire uh, beautiful country of ours through DJ Trivia. Log on to djtrivia.com. You can find one of our family-friendly and free games at a location near you. And if you're located in the North Georgia listening area, you just might find a familiar voice hosting some of those very games. So we hope to see you soon at uh, one of our events. Hmm. We'll open up an autograph session for you. Oh, yeah. So we need should... to see you in Dawsonville, bud. You, you will one of Dawsonville. these days. Yeah. Well, i got to go up there and get the, the bear now from Chase Elliott. There you so go. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll figure out a time to get we'll, to Dawsonville. We'll get a seat for the bear. That'll be a big <laughs> that, conversation. That would be oh, cool. Yeah. That would be fun. That, that would be good fun. All right. Who else have we got to thank, Tim? We got everybody? Year one? Year one. Oh, yeah. The muscle car experts at year Linear one. Linear Technical College. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, learn a career. Yes. Not just a job, a mm. career. Don't become indoctrinated. Learn something useful. And Concept One, uh, Billet Pulley Systems, best on the planet. Absolutely. So if uh, Starman needs a pulley system when he gets <laughs> gets back to the planet, <laughs> we, can, we can turn him on to Concept One. Right. Meanwhile, if you want to catch the... Uh, terrestrial production of Bud's Garage. You can do that on WDUN AM 515 FM 102.9. And we can also have that in podcast form at all the various podcast sites like the one you're listening to right now. 
Okay. All right. Remember to keep between the ditches, shiny side up. We'll see you next week right here at Bud Scratch Overdrive, the podcast. Have a great week. Okay, you too. <laughs>